0: Before we start the show, you're about to hear our awesome jingle. And if you love it as much as I do, please go check out Bobby Fallon, is her artist name, but Jamie Fallon is how I know her. She is an incredible songwriter, performer, producer from South Africa, and a good friend of mine. So enjoy. Please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell them please don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Don't tell them please don't tell anyone don't
1: tell
0: the heart, heart ring lights
1: that's cool hi andrew hi you are, Molly.
0: I'm, I'm nervous honestly but uh, i'm really excited and i'm really excited that you're my first guest
1: me too i mean th- th- this is uh i'm uh, like i said in the email responses and i i'm honored I'm honored by this. I really am, and I'm unaccountably nervous as well. I'm a pretty confident person. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm pretty confident too, and I'm shaking a little. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, are you comfortable with me reading what you submitted?
1: Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure.
0: Well, first of all, I want to say I don't know you. We just met. Yep. And you just brought me a loaf of whole wheat bread. Is that the type yes. of bread that you baked? Yes. Which is so nice of you. <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm so excited to eat the bread. So this is already a great start to a podcast, is having some bread. Um, But your submission stood out to me. Here's all I know about you going into this. When asked what jobs you've had, you answered electronics manufacturing, graphic arts, repo man, transportation industry. I'm very excited about the repo man. But then why you'd be interested for this podcast, electrical work history, somewhat cancerous now, Fairly articulate, opinionated, liberal-ish, my wife finds me amusing. So when I first read that, I didn't read the cancerous part as having cancer for some reason. I thought you meant the astrological sign.
1: Oh, no. I'm an Aquarius. Yeah. And so so then we started
0: emailing, and you said, I have cancer, Mm -hmm. and I'm getting a scan done Tuesday morning. I won't know the results till Wednesday. and
1: That's today? That's (laughs) today. Yeah, this morning. And I'm
0: really honored to have you in this gap between getting your scan and knowing because I can't imagine the headspace of that
1: it's it's been uh how do I put this I'm trying to remain very pragmatic about the whole thing because all right so this is a recurrence right I had the disease was diagnosed back in November 2019 that
0: was your first diagnosis with cancer
1: yes and that was rapidly becoming, all right, we're going to have to you know, chop you in, chop you up a bit or you're going to die kind of thing. It what was, was it the was first really bad. cancer? It was a, it's called a cholangiocarcinoma, which is a, it's basically it's, a, it's bile duct cancer. So the initial thought was that it was pancreatic, which is like, all right, doom and gloom, I'm going to die in six months. Um, but it was a, a cholangiocarcinoma specific to the bile duct, and it was like something the size of a crouton that was wrapped around my bile duct and starting to shut it down. Um, so I had drawn this weight loss, you know, all all kinds of stuff going on.
0: What was your first symptom when fatigue, fatigue, Yeah,
1: way before I got diagnosed, I was coming home on, you know, Thursday and Friday night, absolutely shot to hell. Um, and thinking, you know, it's, it's a stressful job. It's a long work day. And, you know, I thought that's what it was, but that was the first symptom I noticed, but I didn't do anything about it. And then, um, I noticed some digestive changes. And I went to a doctor, but shortly after that I started, the jaundice set in, and then it was, you know, it was downhill after that. So they, they did a surgery to get it out. It was called a Whipple surgery, which you, if you look it up is, I would say, <laughs> pretty invasive. It's like seven-hour surgery. So um, it took a little, there were some complications. It took a little while to get better. I had an um, amazing group of people supporting me. My wife um, and a group of friends, and the professionals at MSK, and the people I work with—I mean, just everybody was was amazing about it. And um, I eventually got home. I think in it was November of 2019. I went into the hospital. And I was in and out a few times, and eventually I was home for good in February, right after right around my birthday. And then the irony is that back in, this last November 2021, I took a bunch of people out, you know, to a bar, and I, you know, sort of. It, it was an impromptu gathering. I thought, well, let's celebrate two years of being cancer-free. And the following Monday, this is on Saturday the thirteenth, I think it was. And the following Monday, I had a met with my oncologist, and she said, "Oh yeah, it's back." Just I'm like, a
0: routine checkup.
1: Yeah, it was kind of yeah routine scan because I had a there's a there's a a blood marker that kind of is indicative of uh, of pancreatic cancer. So anyway, it was it came back. So now it's been. The headspace is what I figured out is if you don't just completely abdicate any element of control, you can you can you know rage against it and try and control it, or you can completely abdicate responsibility and just hand out hand your fate over to the people who are paid to do this, right? So that's what I did.
0: So you get diagnosed, you said November twenty nineteen,
1: yeah,
0: and then you're told you're in the clear. When
1: I was. Well, it was basically, when, before I went under, the surgeon said, <laughs> this is funny, the surgeon said to me, it was, it was like, we're going to go in and see what we can do. We're either going to be able to take out what's there and you'll be fine, mm-hmm. take a look at it, not be able to do anything, you're going to die, or you're going to die under the knife. I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. So I got a 33% chance of coming out of this thing. It's like, all right, well, all right, so go ahead, give me the drugs, and off we go, right? So when I woke up, it was like, I, the one thing I remember waking up, um, is this blurry, this face, really handsome Indian dude, mm-hmm. um, lean over with two thumbs up, and I'm sort of looking at him through this fog, and I give him two thumbs up, and then he cart me off to you know to uh, try and wake up a little bit better. So it was, you know, the first thing was waking up was good, right? And then knowing that I'd, uh, he'd successfully taken this thing out with clear margins um, was, uh, was positive news. So um, I felt shitty afterwards because there was some there are complications that are sort of associated with that particular surgery uh-huh. because it's a real scorched earth surgery. They take out all sorts of stuff, and then they stitch it back together differently, right? So um, there were some, some complications that were pretty, like, there was some that were gross, and there was some that was like, a, there was a MRSA infection in there, time in ICU, leaking fluid into my abdomen. It was just debr- debriding dead tissue. It was... All over the place. So by the time I returned to work, I wasn't 100. percent But that was basically four months um, it took to get better because of all these different complications. So it was a bit of that was a bit of a ride.
0: But I then you were that. told you were cancer-free or in yeah, remission. Yeah. Oh yeah, my god!
1: Completely. There were no there were no signs of anything. This the there's a um, a genetic marker called CA19-9. That's uh, it's an indicator if you have pancreatic cancer or something in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's always elevated. You can have that marker elevated, not have cancer. Yeah. But you always have it elevated if you have pancreatic cancer. So that was that went from I think the normal for it is the uh, is uh, if you go over 37, it's elevated. Mine was I think 1200 or something like that. It was ridiculously. Is this cutting out small? It was ridiculously yeah, off, the, off the charts. The off the charts high, and then as soon as the operation was done, it dropped down to like 90 or something like that and um, it started creeping back up again Months and months and months later, you know, more than a year later, it started just, just elevating again. And, and then it was like suspicion started, and then they couldn't fight figure out what was going on. Did you I start
0: mean, having symptoms again?
1: No, not at all. I still don't. I have no symptoms. No at all. way.
0: Yeah. So you go in when and get told? You went to the bar with your friends. You have two years cancer free. When was that?
1: I had a, a telehealth call with my oncologist because they weren't doing face to face. Yeah. Um, and it was the, I went into the, we went out to the bar on Saturday, and it was the following Monday. It was like the 16th or something like of- that. Of. November.
0: Okay, this past year. November.
1: Yeah. So okay. since then, it's just been chemotherapy. So the, the symptoms of the cancer are gone. I feel okay, but the chemotherapy makes you feel like absolute garbage. There's no getting away from that, you know. So.
0: And so you got a scan this morning that's supposed to say what?
1: Whether it's shrunk or not.
0: Where is the cancer right now?
1: Right here. So it's even right though they've my taken things
0: problem. out at, like, re...
1: Well, it's like, I mean, the way they described it is when they found it, it's, it's like, I'm like, what's it sitting on in the surgical, yeah. in the surgical bed is what I got. It's like... Okay, what does that mean? So what it's it's apparently attached itself to two art, uh veins, major. Mm-hmm. Uh the vena cave is one of them. I don't know what the other one's called, but I I just picture it hanging there like a monkey mm-hmm. between the two, you know, gripping onto the thing. Um and then it's um what I'm, I'm more worried about is it sort of spreading to other places and there's no sign of that yet. Okay. I don't So the scan no would
0: would say, see if it was spreading.
1: Right. That would let me know if they th- if it's grown at all. They're going to see if it's metastasized, mm-hmm. and then it's like, you know, we'll, we'll just go from there. I, I don't have any surgical options left at this point. So
0: so you basically uh, find out tomorrow morning Yeah. whether it's spreading, stays the same, and if it's spreading, you're limited on your options.
1: Yeah, How'd, that's where we are.
0: How do you sleep?
1: <laughs> Pretty well.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. Were I you an anxious pre- guy before cancer? No. Are you anxious now?
1: No. Not really. The, what's odd about it is that once I've been through... Okay, so I've been through the process of... This is prior to being re-diagnosed. I've yes. been through the process of um, worrying about it coming back. It's, it's the most terrifying thing because you know that it's something that will kill you, mm-hmm. Right.
0: No control over and it. Then you have
1: no control over it at all. It doesn't matter what you do, diet or exercise mm-hmm. or anything else-wise, it's there now, and it's this particular breed of it has a, a propensity to come back anyway, so um, so I went through the ringer with that. My wife suggested um, seeking out help from a therapist, which mm-hmm. I did, and I'm, I've been spotty. I have a spotty history with therapists, but I've, I've been there in the past. And I thought, okay, eventually, after railing against it, as I always do, first answer Why have, were
0: you so anti? Like, I'm a huge therapy person. I've been in therapy probably since I was seven.
1: I didn't think I needed it. I thought, okay, I'm working, I'm, I'm doing okay. And then, you know, after, after a while, you kind of realize that, yeah, I, I need to speak to somebody. Who's, I can't burden her, my wife, with everything. Mia. Sorry, Mia. Um, my wife with everything. Um, that's just completely unfair. Um, and she she's been amazing through this whole journey. I'm mean, completely supportive, and it's like she, she's got to get a break here. Yeah. You know? So I spoke to a therapist about it, and that has helped me get through the fear of it. And it it's now it's back. I kind of just resigned myself to like, well, th- there's nothing I can do about this at this point. If if um, I'm going to MSK, which is you know, my like girlfriend works at MSK. Oh, she does. Yeah. Which, which one one's she at?
0: She's on 53rd and 3rd. Oh, that's, that's where I go. The 15. GI floor.
1: Oh, okay. That's yeah. where I go. I will, I will look out for her next time. Yeah. Um, so um, where I'm at right now is I've kind of just handed, I hate to say I've handed my fate over to people, but I'm trying to remain as positive as I can and stay as close to normal as I can. So the peop- I, I told a very, very small group of people who I trust implicitly what was going on. That it's back. That it's back.
0: How many kids do you have? Two. And do they know it's back?
1: My daughter does not, and my son does. I'll come back to that. I don't know if that's something I really want to talk about. That's fine. um, So what I'm trying to do is the people I told, I told people, instead of making a big announcement, I told people incrementally and then... And, and said, "I do not want a pity party here. Mm-hmm. But I need you to understand: if my appearance changes, or if I abruptly lose weight, my hair mm-hmm. falls out, which is starting to, or it's mostly gone. Um, you know, stuff like that. If I if I, if I seem gone, if I seem cranky, because it can have because mm-hmm. you go you go through it, right? You go through that that those stages of um, of railing against it. Still, no matter how much therapy you have, um, I need you to understand why." And um, that's it. Everything else I want to, it's got to be normal. Yeah. And that's the way we're going to do it. So, and that's, yeah. that's kind of the way it's been. So, um, it's okay though. It's, it's good. I, I feel optimistic.
0: You know, like with my dad having Parkinson's, I find myself treating him differently. Mm-hmm. And, and not wanting to, but you just do. Because you're seeing them decline in certain ways as we were kind of talking about before we started recording, yeah. and not knowing how to adapt to it, but having...
1: Well, you put more room it. around it, right? Yeah. If you see, I guess if you see a parent or a loved one going through something like that, you do... It's hard not to make allowances somewhere, right? And yeah. I mean, with your dad, somebody... I mean, your dad's probably younger than I am, I would imagine, I right? I
0: 65.
1: Oh, he's 65, how old are okay. You? 57.
0: Yeah, no, he's older than you. I mean... Are you under the assumption that at some point you will die because of cancer?
1: Well, I think it's going to get me eventually.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean the odds
1: true. are if you survive five years after, beyond this, you're in a very, very Unless you get hit by
0: a car, people. that will most likely be the biological way. Or an
1: electric bike
0: yeah. or something. or this which... podcast <laughs> just explodes. The reason I say yeah. that is because, like, for your son, like, for me, Parkinson's is hard because it's like knowing exactly how your parents are going to die and watching it happen over a very long period, though.
1: They're drifting out to sea. Right. Yeah. So my my mum described that with my dad. Yeah. My dad, he had. She was dealing with with the the results of um, his Alzheimer's diagnosis. It was vascular dementia, but mm-hmm. same same mm-hmm. result. And I remember, you know, an email she sent to me a long time ago saying that. it's it's just an absolute bastard. It's like yeah. sit, standing on the shore watching him drift out to yeah. sea. Yeah. It's, it right? it's a long yeah, grief.
0: It's a long grief. Yeah. It's terrible. But cancer is also a long grief. I mean, if you, again, if you got hit by a car that's a quick grief. I think that's more painful, watching someone go really quick than...
1: I mean, you could debate that to death, right? Yeah. Though, I mean, at least the, the opportunity—the the opportunity to put your affairs in order. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I have that. I mean, it's, it's you know, it, became, it becomes very serious very quickly. And yeah. we, you know, we <laughs> we went we went to a, my wife and I went to a lawyers to get our wills drawn up and everything else, and we still haven't gotten them notarized. It's months ago now. We yeah. still haven't got them done because we're just like, yeah, let's binge watch some stuff and this you know, And you out, seem fine.
0: Like sitting here today, you seem fine. I feel great.
1: I seriously, I feel really, really good. Just a little. It's it's. I just feel, like I said, I used, I used to be a very large person, and now I'm much frailer really? than I used to be. Yeah. It was How
0: much were you at your, I guess?
1: 200 and, well, I ballooned up to 260 pounds at one point, but when I was, like, my fighting weight, if you want to call it that is about 220 pounds, and okay. now, now I'm 175. Okay. Which is, you know, you feel like you can blow away in the wind. It's yeah. It's just a different, and you feel weaker. But I, it's, the chemo does that to you. Like, right now, I am, you know, I may... I will probably have another you know, round of chemo tomorrow. Um, Wait, sure but you'll yet. in
0: the morning get a call? And I'm visiting the
1: doctor tomorrow. Okay. All right, so my wife and I are both going up there because they're doing face-to-face. I'm not sure what the outcome is, but I know there's a chemotherapy appointment booked, so I'm assuming they're going to do something mm-hmm. with that. So, so I'm one day, I'm, I'm two weeks out from the last appointment, so I feel great. But yeah. when you when you have it, it takes a couple of days for it to hit, and then you just fall off a cliff, and you just want to sleep all the time, and you, it's it's not it's not fun at all.
0: Were you a religious guy? I mean, a lot of us deal with death and these things very differently, but people with religion, like I'm not. I I wasn't raised with a lot of religion. So my no. mom's side's Jewish. My dad's was Episcopalian. I've been to every bar mitzvah, but I also was confirmed, mm-hmm. but we never went to church. So. You know, you kind of have to create your own spirituality if you want that. But then some people just have no spirituality and go through it. But we all find a way to cope with these hard things.
1: Uh, no, I, I would. I'm not a fan of organized religion because of the what I perceive as the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of it. Generally, yeah. But um, sorry if that outrages anyone, but that's just no. The way I don't want you say that. Um, you kind of. There have been things that, that, that for instance, um, I feel as though there is a. You find you find inner strength, you find peace through things like meditation, and you can reach a different spiritual plane through meditating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am t- a terrible student of it, but I, I I went through a period of a year or maybe two where I was meditating every single day. Mm-hmm. And the effects of that have stayed with me, which is what I find most remarkable about it. That's what, it, it's like having, um, you know, appearance-altering surgery. The effects are there forever, or a tattoo, or whatever. Why you don't know.
0: you still meditate?
1: Just that the time is, finding the time to do it. it it's important to, to meditate in the morning, I mm-hmm. think, before you start your day. Meditating at the end of the day, really, you, you, your brain is already full of, Garbage at that point, right? But you need to sort of clear your mind before the workday starts, I believe. But I get up really, really early in the morning. How early? 4.15, oh my alarm is 7. Oh my God,
0: what time do you go to bed?
1: Um, oh God, like your average eight-year-old, like eight, eight <laughs> nine, <laughs> nine in the evening. It's like, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm useless. I'm basically, I think I described in an email, I'm just drooling on myself at eight o'clock in the evening.
0: Because you're so tired.
1: Always, and then you know, add, add the th- chemo. Add the chemo to yeah, it, you're and I'm just totally screwed, yeah, absolutely useless. Um, but uh, wh- what was happening was, uh, it's in, in this. I was working for the same company. I was getting on a train to go to work and meditating on the train. So it was sort of this this autopilot to the train, and mm-hmm. then spending the first fifteen minutes of the of the train right, completely shut down because there was nobody else on the train at that time in the morning. Right?
0: Are I, you really able to clear your head? What, like it goes completely blank because yes. for me it's like thoughts how do you prevent the thoughts i mean that's a major question around i think why people don't meditate well the thoughts come in
1: it you have you have to stick i'm i'm, I'm yeah. gonna give my wife complete credit for getting me to do this because she insisted that i kept going and you have to have um a mantra you have to control your breathing mm-hmm. but you don't have to have a mantra but i would say that's a good place to focus
0: mm-hmm.
1: you don't know what you're seeking but you'll sure as hell know when you get there that's that's the thing that perplexes me about it. It's it's really really tough to define it. Mm-hmm. But it's when you get there it is you experience stuff that you don't realize you don't think is actually sitting out there. It's just it's it's just strange.
0: You mean the state like a euphoric state?
1: It's not even euphoria. It's just this complete it's like a it's like an empty room that has been swept clean of dust. Is the only way. It's just it's just an amazing thing. And then once you've hit the empty room swept clean of dust Things come to you. It alters the way you think. It alters the, your perceptions, and the effects of it stay with you over the long term.
0: So when you do something, well, first of all, I'm smiling listening to you because it's I'm envious of that place that you get to, and I'd you like to gotta, be able to get go there. Go stick with it. I know, but the thoughts, I like, I even even picturing something, I feel guilty about. Like if I'm picturing waves, I'm like, well, I shouldn't have even be picturing that. It's just right. I'm somehow supposed to be blank. Right. I don't know how to get there.
1: You. It's almost like. I think identifying the thoughts and then releasing them. Yeah, identifying that's what I say. and like then releasing them. And, and like you just, but there's no, I think it's a purely subjective thing. And I don't, maybe, maybe some people aren't, maybe this is the reason why we don't have a more peaceful world, right? It's because it's mm-hmm. not for everybody. Maybe, you know, some people aren't wired the right way. They can't, there's so much going on, or there are, um, there's so much going on in their mind that they 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 you can't maybe there's not enough time in the day to knock down all those thoughts that are coming in, right? Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I want to believe though that everyone could get there if they wanted to.
1: I would really hope so.
0: But I think that that kind of circles us back to the the religious thing of like, well, that then has been your calming yeah. thing. Some people have religion; they'd go to church through it all. They'd have a real core God. It would it be correct to say the medi- the the, the the state, the white room, exactly what you're describing, is the peace that you have found.
1: Yes, yes. I, I mean, I'm drawing on it. I haven't, I haven't meditated in a long time, mm-hmm. but I still, I still feel as though there's a there's a certain level of inner peace. And then, I mean, and you know, you can sort of plug therapy into the side of that yeah. as well. It's sort of it, you know, you use whatever tools are given you. And then, I mean, cognitively, I guess you won me. Um, it's a personal thing obviously but it's it's just a a choice to not rail against this yeah. it doesn't always work obviously stuff comes up it bubbles up and you're fearful and you're you're ready to you know burst into tears and just lie on the floor and give up right mm-hmm. you know everybody has that for for you know whatever's going on in their life but um are
0: you afraid of the results tomorrow no are you afraid of death
1: um I don't know. No. I, I as long as, as long as I have, you know, high quality drugs and it doesn't hurt too much, I'm yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm good to go. It's like I've had a, I've had a decent life. It's yeah. been it's been fun. It's been hard sometimes. What do you think sometimes. happens after you die? Uh, you become eaten by worms. You know, if you haven't, I mean, if your if your whole body goes in the ground, you're worm food, and uh, if not, you're scattered to the four winds. So you don't either. believe in like
0: an afterlife, reincarnation.
1: I would hope that it's there.
0: I see. I do, and I don't have a religious core, but I just I think there's been some unexplainable shit that that happens.
1: Well, yeah, there is. Um, but at this point in the game, you'd wonder if it was if it's provable, right? It's not provable.
0: Well, it's funny because when I've been my most anxious, mm-hmm. I find myself. Watching near death experience YouTube videos of people who have gone into cardiac arrest. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The white, you know, the they, white light the yes, tunnel. Yes, they've yeah. died, yeah. supposedly. Yeah. And they've seen their body, and they all have the same experience. And for whatever reason, that really calms me. And they've come this back. This is to the tell whole it. thing
1: with people floating above the Yes, they float bed. above, yeah. they see. I would hope that there is something else afterwards because. So, say I have a bad diagnosis tomorrow and I don't make my 58th year, I would hope that there is more time. Yeah. Because I really enjoy, I've enjoyed my life. If I look back on it, I've enjoyed it and I would like some more of that, please. Well, let's talk about
0: your life besides cancer a little bit. (laughs) Okay. So, where did you grow up?
1: South Wales. Uh, South Wales? Newport, South Wales, UK.
0: Whoa! Oh, you you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. When did you come to the US?
1: 1989 September 1st 1989 You
0: don't have a British accent I at all. No.
1: It's been I'm trying to explain I'm sure I've been trying to explain that to people because I don't know why that is. I think it might be when you when you've heard for the thousandth time that you have a cute accent, you kind of just uh, turn into a chameleon and, and then adopt adopt this is me anyway. You adopt the place that you you've arrived at. That's yeah. how I feel like what I feel like It's dead. funny
0: in your submission one of the, Oh my god that car alarm's going to death of this podcast. Um, Hold on, let's just wait a minute. Um, In your submission, I asked where, how long you've lived in New York City, and you wrote Long Island, spelled out L-A-W-G-U-Y-L-A-N-D, and so when I was going over these, I said to my girlfriend, I said, I don't know where this guy's from, have you heard of this town Long Island? And she just looked at me like I was fucking insane. She's from Long Island. So even more, that was like... That's amazing. an old
1: reference. I saw it Long, spelled Long out that Island? way. Yeah, I saw it spelled out that way years and years and years ago, and I thought, yeah, that's, that fits. So I thought I'd throw it out there. I keep forgetting that like my cultural references are way different than yours. So like, different. You're less than half my age. So, it, you know. Um, yeah, I was on Long Island for...
0: Where on Long Island?
1: Oh, uh, um, Long Beach okay. first, then, which is great.
0: I had never there. been to Long Island until I started dating her, and now I've explored pretty much all of it.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 What's your favorite part?
0: Well, I like the North Shore.
1: Okay. That, that makes sense. It's yeah. like, it is really nice up there. Yeah, there there's some, some with
0: the rocks. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It's, it's
1: lovely. Well, Long Beach is kind of unique because it's a little bit separated and it calls itself a city. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. My mm-hmm. sister my sister came here first. And I came because I had nothing holding me back. So uh, I, Long Beach was the first spot. Then it was West Hampstead uh, and then all over... The South Shore. After I got divorced, mm-hmm. I ended up in Oceanside. Then I ended up in Copaig Then I went to Brooklyn. I met my wife. We moved Second to Brooklyn. wife. Brooklyn. Second wife. Okay. Sorry. Well, moved to Brooklyn and then um, ended up uh, in the East Village.
0: Oh, nice! And yeah. you're in the East Village now. Yes. Okay.
1: On East Fourth Street. Yeah. Cool. Great spot. I love it.
0: Um, one of the big things that stood out was this line, "Repo Man." <laughs> when I hear "Repo Man," I think of someone who goes and picks up cars that aren't yeah. people's. Is that what a repo man is? Yes. That's okay, so
1: tell me about it. that. So I spent. I lost my job in in the printing industry. I was uh, fired. basically. Printing as
0: in paper.
1: Yeah, graphic graphic arts. I okay. call it, but it was it was dealing with financial institutions, uh, producing commercial print. It was it was before the printing industry was murdered by you know digital. Print. Yeah, and digital and media. It was like big iron printing. Okay. And it was cool. I loved it. I was in that business for like I think nineteen years or something. You got Covered fired. From the UK. I got fired because I was going through my divorce, and I was. Am I allowed to curse?
0: Yeah, of course. Oh, awesome. Okay. So, uh, i have been yeah. trying to be really good. No, um, no, no. Hold, please curse.
1: I, I, f- I just blew everything up. I fucked up so so badly, and I the I, they tried fucked up in your relationship,
0: or fucked up everywhere. everywhere. Oh, 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 you oh, you were like just fucking blew, up everywhere. Yeah, okay. blew
1: my blew my life up. And what had happened was, one of the guys I worked with, his brother owned a repo business, okay, which was. And then one uh, one tow truck, one flatbed, and one of the uh, a lady working in the office and a, a lot man. Mm-hmm. That was it. So the guy I worked with in the printing industry said, "Well, my brother's looking for someone to help him out. Why don't you go, you know, go check it out?" I'm like, I knew nothing about this business at all, so I said, "Yeah, why not? You know, jump in with both feet. You know, being fearless about it because I didn't know anything." Was this
0: a big? Um but not budget code sort of I'm looking for salary cut, though. Going. It wasn't from- too
1: bad. It, okay. wasn't, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, and it kept me afloat, I'll say that. Um, historically, if you look at this business and you see the crap that's been on, on TV over yeah. the last few years, it's all dramatized. It's all you know, hyper-violent. Everybody's a hard-ass, You know, leaning on people. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. Because you, you're out right, at 2 o'clock in the morning just scouring streets, looking around. Right? You know where this person lives. Let's see if we can find their car on the street. And you're in a tow truck that can basically scoop a car up in 30 seconds. You go scoop it up, you tow it away, you strap it down, you take it back to the lot. It's really that... that And you're doing
0: it... I think I'm confused. Is a repo person there... The government has said they're not paying their bill for their car, go pick it up, or... Oh, private banks. Yes. Or is it also the car's been sitting on the road, it has no, a 1,000 tickets, that's totally something else. Totally totally Okay, de- this is the bank has said, go get the car. Right,
1: and what they do is the bank's, um, historically, they give they give the person, the debtor, the person who owns the car, owes the money on it, they'll give them a good shot of paying. Like, they'll give them 90 days or something, you've got to catch up, and then they say, all right, well, this one's a lost cause, we're going to put it out to be repossessed. Yeah. It, like It's like the last line of defense, take the car away. And then about, I would say, a solid 50% of people get them back.
0: What was your craziest repo story? Was there any drama?
1: I haven't had much drama. I had a couple of confrontations that were a little odd, but I, I don't think anybody ever put their hands on me. I mean, you know, it helps to be a large, imposing individual, but I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not a, I'm not not a. the kind of guy who's a, who's a hard-ass who's doing this for the intimidation. I'm doing it for the technical challenge. That's why I enjoyed it. But um, The
0: technical challenge?
1: Yeah, it's like when you... Okay, so... I'll 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 tell you one brief story. There yes. was a guy who had a high-end Acura, an NSX, mm-hmm. which was a, a seventy, 000, eighty thousand dollars sports car. Going back, it was a really desirable car, and we couldn't find it. So I decided to look in the parking garage in the building he worked at, and sure enough, it was buried in the basement of the parking garage, around a corner behind a concrete stanchion. But there's an electric gate. Um, I don't know if I should repeat this, but there's an electric barrier. So. Like you can't break anything to get this car, but I know it's there. So what I did, what I did was I just went with a with a socket set and I took the barrier apart and mm-hmm. just left, left put it on one side. We pulled the car out of there. Then I put it back together again, waved at the camera, and took off. Yeah. So there were people who would sort of bury it behind locked gates. Um, you leave the car in plain sight. Mm-hmm. We we used to pull. Um, we've emptied out a warehouse full of air conditioning equipment. Which was at, which had a loan on it that was, you know, 10 people, three trucks, um, an all night just emptying shit out of a warehouse and taking it back to all storage location. We pulled 15 school buses out of Brooklyn one night that was didn't feel particularly good about that, but they owed money on them, so you know, job's a job. Where do
0: you take them to a storage work?
1: yard? We had a big storage yard, at one and then
0: one sell them, crush them up. What
1: you give. New York State has um, a law that allows debtors to get their vehicles back if they can come up with the money, right? They have the right to do that, mm-hmm. and they have a certain amount of time. The bank okay. will give them X number of times so we store them, um, and then eventually they go to auction, mm-hmm. um, and we never see them again. So we got we got into the transportation side of that as well, which you know helped our, our revenues and built the business up. And is so, that
0: then how you transitioned to the to the school transportation industry? No, I
1: I, I had a bit of a the end of my repossession career was not one that I'm, I'm, I like to relive, but it was. Uh, I think it was the right time for me to be out of there.
0: Can Let's you, put it that way. Do you want to say more? No. <laughs> well,
1: I, I mean, I, I think that the things were becoming a little more fractious with the guy who owned the, com- okay. the company. Okay. Um, and uh, I think what had happened was we built this trans- transportation business that was wasn't doing well because we had competitors come in who, could, who were bigger than us and could you know just do the job cheaper. So um, I was forced, instead of running the transportation side of it, I was forced to go out in the truck every night um, and trying to trying to justify my you know decent salary. And it just wasn't working out. It was just becoming more of a back and forth, and it was more fractious. And I think just one day I, I came in and dropped the car off, and my boss, my boss, sent me a text saying, "You know, just leave the keys in the truck. You're done." And instead of going in to talk about it, I got jumped in my car, and I did exactly what he asked. I took my computer and left the keys in the truck and left, and I didn't look back. That was it. And then sort of.
0: Do you wish you had gone in and talked about it?
1: No, I don't regret it for a second.
0: Okay, all right. Well, then there you yeah. go.
1: So, but it was it was a it was definitely a rewarding business. I learned a huge amount, a huge amount about dealing with people. So,
0: What's, what would you say the biggest thing about dealing with people that you learn?
1: To treat them with respect. Um, if you use if you're dealing with a um, any any person who's upset, if you call them sir or ma'am, or and, and instead of escalating the situation, just you know, talk, try and be respectful and stay calm and talk them down. It, it works. It pays dividends because they will remember that. They will remember that they were treated with respect instead of, instead of being looked down on as somebody who can't pay their bills. Because many of these people were in financial difficulties. They weren't sort of willfully scummy about not paying. Yeah. They had difficulties. And it's there were parts of the job that were awful. Like you have a mom with, with a, a baby in her arms saying, my husband hasn't paid the damn bills. Right, And he's supposed to. And you're pulling a car because you have to. Yeah. And there is nothing you can do about that because you've made a commitment. You have a contractual obligation with a financial institution to do this job. You don't walk away from it, but you make sure that she has every tool available to her to correct the situation and get her car back the following day.
0: What do you right? mean by every tool, though? I am going to say she would need the cash.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, you can say, all right, but you can tell her where car, you, may, you help her enter your stuff out of the car. You um, maybe give her a resource that she can call to get her husband to pay. What whatever 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 mm-hmm. you've got in your in your mind or available to you at the time. It's like you don't want to you don't want to treat this person poorly, even though you know they're in a bad situation. Only make it worse. Yeah, that's the worst thing. That's an awful thing to do. Yeah. But it, I mean, it, it gets to a point where it's a little wearing as well. It's like I was going to say, yeah, the first just,
0: thirty of those.
1: Yeah, your conscience is just yeah. You have to kind of have to, you have you have to kind of divorce yourself from your conscience sometimes, but most of it was. Most of the job it was fairly it was clean and it was easy. You just hook up to a car and drive away with it. That's that's it. I mean the, the kind of equipment that you have to do it is it it operates, you know, quickly and efficiently and it's it's a simple simple thing to do. Hmm. So it was it was it was
0: And then you got into your new job.
1: <sighs> yeah, that and that's
0: where you still are, the transportation?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've been ten it'll be ten years in November November's a big month for me. Uh ten years in, in November. Yeah. I'll be in uh Working for this company called First Student, and big, uh, biggest transportation.
0: Yeah, I see it on the side of buses, right? Yeah. It says yeah. First Student. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My, I my title is location manager, so I kind of uh, when people ask me what I do, if you want to, it is easy to kill a conversation by saying I run a school bus depot because like, yeah, there's people not that have, a have ton no of there. yeah, There's no conception of what it's about.
0: And through all of these, you you got remarried.
1: I got remarried in uh, 2016. And you yes. don't
0: want to go into your personal life very much. Which is fine. We're I can. It doesn't
1: bother me. Okay. What so are you, you interested in?
0: <laughs> well, no, just earlier you skirted away from something, so I just didn't want to follow up on it. You said you had a daughter and a son. You didn't want to talk about.
1: It. Yeah, I'll keep that to one side.
0: Okay. For now. But you, uh, you were you were married? Two kids with the first wife.
1: I had two kids with uh, my first wife. My son is twenty-four. My daughter is twenty-seven. Okay. Um. They are both doing okay. Uh, My son is currently moving to Texas, which I kind of gritted my teeth about, but said okay.
0: Well, you said you're liberal-ish in your profile.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I have have some opinions about that. Um, So, um, yes, I was married to my first wife for 11 years, um, and we got divorced, and that was all my fault. I take full responsibility for blowing my life up completely.
0: Did you cheat on uh,
1: her? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, that was that was just a, a bad choice. But I guess you know um, you don't do that unless something's broken somewhere, I suppose. So,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and then I was out in the dating. I was I stayed in the relationship with that person mm-hmm. for nine years. And the
0: person that you left her for. Or the per- yeah. Okay.
1: And then that broke up, and that was my fault.
0: Did you um, cheat on her?
1: N- no, but there were, uh, there was some, there were yeah, there was some things going on. Um,
0: and at this point, you weren't doing therapy, right?
1: No. Well, I had been in and
0: out. I, I I'd done s- some therapy. I yes. was going to say, like, w- would you look back and be like, oh, couples therapy would have helped with that first marriage, or no? Yeah, I didn't want to do
1: that. Yeah. It, it was, I have, to, I've, 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 I, I'm, I'm not going to go too far into it because it's going to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm trashing someone. Okay. I don't, don't want to do that. That's not fair. Um, but the feedback I've had from various people in my circle is that I was probably better off not remaining in that relationship. So, if that makes sense. Um, and then I had a party basically after that second relationship failed. That uh, it was just basically a party on you know Match.com and you know whatever the what's the E Harmony that yeah. one that sold itself as. Match.com was the best one. If you're if, you, if you're looking for volume of responses, that's the place to go. So,
0: um,
1: I had I had fun for a while. You know, hold for on, a few this years. guy. He's just parking. He's fine.
0: Okay, there we go. Yeah.
1: So um, that was fun. That was a party, and then I uh, I met my current wife on Match.com, and she's probably gonna. Nah, she's okay with it. She's just, don't tell people we met on Match.com. So everyone meets on the internet now. Yeah, I met my, my
0: girlfriend on the internet. Everyone. Everyone I know is on dating apps.
1: It's the safest place to, to, to start talking to
0: someone, I right? can only think of one couple I know that met in person. Everyone else is yeah. online. Yeah. And so, I think it just needs to be normal. Like, the gen- your generation, the generations above mine, just yeah. need to kind of wrap around normalizing it because I think my generation's already like, okay, whatever. I
1: have no issue with it. Okay. None. So, I, I mean, it was great. It, the funny thing with it was, this is... What was strange about it is that she had looked at my profile at nearly exactly the same time, and I was in the. I thought I I had looked at her profile before it kind of said, you know, I'm still out there having fun. I thought, but she's you know she's this beautiful woman, and she looked. I was intimidated by her profile. She's like a, a sing, she's a singer, okay. an artist, right? Yeah. And I was, I thought, all right, let's give this a shot. And I sent her an email, and she sent me an email at the same time that landed in my inbox as I was typing the email to her. So she never got the email I was sending. I just responded to the one she sent me. I can't even remember what I was typing to her. So it was, she had seized that opportunity at exactly the same time, which is like, you know, this kind of a, a Talk a about kind of the fade thing. Thing, <laughs> yeah, thing there, yeah, right? Yeah, right? How do you explain that? Which was... Um, It was a, it was, it it sounds like a completely bullshit story, but it is absolutely true. I swear to God, it's the funniest thing. And then um, we met on um, the day before Valentine's Day, which was like today, like colder than today. It was like an 18 degree day. The river's partly frozen. We met over in, um, in Brooklyn and I, I was wandering around looking for a place for a cup of coffee and there's nothing around this neighborhood except this bar that we were meeting at and it wasn't open. i was freezing my ass off. And this poor girl was standing outside, um, selling subscriptions to Planned Parenthood. And I thought, all right, well, that's a worthy cause. Let me sign up, just so I can, you know, talk to a human being. And I we chatted a little bit. And she said, well, I, we, I ended up telling her I'm meeting up on a first date. She said, well, I hope she's the one. And then, mm-hmm. sure enough, a year later, we're you know, we're married, and we've been it's been it's been a really happy union. Although she's obviously you know I'm I'm obviously my warranty's expired and I'm broken, but um, she's she's amazing. She's amazing. I'm so uh, glad how long have you been together? Uh, we met in February of 2015. 15,
0: 2015, yeah. She sounds like she loves you a lot.
1: She, it is pretty obvious to me that she does, and I, I, it is, the feeling is completely mutual. So I, I love her to death. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, and she's been... Um, she's just one of those... She's just, a, she's just a remarkable person. She makes me happy. I'm happy to go home every night. I don't want to go anywhere else, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's uh yeah it's well then it's
0: you're great. right, you weren't with the right people before. No. No matter how much you fucked it up, it all happened for <laughs> a reason. It's
1: all a journey, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's like you make choices and you, you, you deviate. It's like the thing the irony is it's like we I'm thinking about um, you know, retiring so we can travel, mm-hmm. right? And then to get this disease and, and all of a sudden be brought to this screeching halt thinking, all right, well, I'm not gonna have this, all of this time that I was yeah. thinking about. I mean, we took a trip to Italy. I'd never been to Italy. Oh, sorry, I went to Italy when I was a kid, on a ski trip when I was 13, the singer ran up in, in the north, right? Yeah. Um, we took a trip to, uh, to Rome and to Naples um, in October of 2018, right? And it was just, we, we, it, it turns out that we traveled really well together. And it was a wonderful trip. We spent two weeks traveling around Italy, just um, received a piece of advice, which is the, be- the best piece of travel advice I've ever had from someone. She, th- this woman who lives a couple of floors down from us said, uh, make sure that you have a cooler with you with wine in it all the time. And that's what we did. That's that's we, w- we walked out with two bottles of wine with us every single day touring around Rome and touring around Naples, and we're just sipping on this wine. And it was best but we were you know drunk about three quarters of the time and it was fabulous because it was just like this easy like not getting hammered or anything just easy buzz that built up during the. Yeah, that sounds the day. magical
0: it was fabulous
1: and you know you can't get a bad bottle of wine there so
0: it's funny what you said about traveling together well because you do learn a lot about yourself and yourself in a relationship when you travel there. together like absolutely we were away last week in colorado and so many of my quirks from my parents come out when I travel at the mm-hmm. airport, you know, how much time, you know, to get there before, security, how to handle X situation, Y situation. Those things come out so much more than just our daily life together. Oh, and for sure. And you see how each other, were are raised in that way, and neither is right or wrong, but you...
1: Well, it's how you make, it's how you fold the two together, right? Exactly. It's how you cooperate, and how you solve problems together, which, I mean, or challenges, some of challenges cause of that, not, not problems, but it's, it's, it's a big deal. You're right. It's a big deal. How was Colorado? Was
0: so fun. We went skiing. She had never oh. skied before. Oh, that's fun. Learned to ski. That's fun. So, do you ski?
1: Badly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My sister lives in Alaska, so I've had the opportunity to ski up there, but, um. You got to learn as a lovely. kid. Yeah, you do. I think. I mean, you got to. I mean, if you grow up in Canada, you basically learn to skate. You learn to ski. Yeah, exactly. You, it's, it's part of your upbringing, right? So when did when did you learn to ski? I yeah. learned
0: to ski as a kid, but this was her first week, and she's very Long Island, very all or nothing. Very, she's either going to be great at something or not do it at all. And yeah. she, I mean, the girl was carving down the mountain by day three, and I'm going, "This is incredible what you're doing." But of course, for her, it's like she compares herself to someone else on the mountain. It's like, well, I'm not. As good as them. <laughs> like, well, that's, see, that's, to me, Long Island.
1: But the equi- what I remember is when, when I went on the skiing trip when I was a kid, I think I was 12 or 13 years old, I remember the equipment being a lot different. Mm. It's lighter now. It's yes. like the, the like your, your basic set of skis is very wide, right? It's almost, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the fronts of them are wide, the backs of them are wide. You can sort of, you could, you're could less likely to catch an edge with them because of the way they're shaped. Got it. I spent as much time face planted in the snow snowbanks when I first went skiing as I did actually on skis. It was horrendous. Well,
0: where, where we were staying was is also the hospital of the mountain. So there's okay. condos, and then but it's also the entrance for if if something happens on the mountain. So we would no come out every morning <laughs> to learn how to ski, and there would be someone in a backboard on a on a sled with a neck brace. Oh, my God. One time there was someone's blood dripping. I was falling down. And it's like, you're terrified then. Because you're seeing the worst thing that could happen but before so you go joyous, up. But it's so joyous,
1: right? It's such a joyful feeling to, to, to go hammering down a mountain. Oh, not hammering down. Not even hammering down. Just zigzagging your way down in the snow. It's just like, it's like flying. Right? Yeah. But then, then you realize, you see what you just described. You realize you can absolutely, even really damage yourself. Oh, totally. If you come off, right? Totally. But, um... Yeah, I, I have skied, and I, I skied, and the last time I skied was in Alaska, and that was with more modern equipment, and that was at the Alyeska Resort, which was, they run, you know, um, sort of international downhill events there and mm-hmm. stuff, and it was, uh, that was very rewarding, and that was with both my kids. I took them with me after I was divorced, and that was fun. That sounds um, really fun. That was great. Um,
0: cool. All right, my last question, something yeah. I want to do with this show is I'm going to ask each guest, because the majority of guests are New Yorkers or live in New York. Yeah. What would your go to restaurant be? Uh, What's your suggestion? People listening, they're coming to New York.
1: So we talk at sort of high end? I don't care. I just want to make a map.
0: I want to make like all the guest spots to go in New York.
1: All so. right. So the best meal I've had in recent memory has been El Buco. Say over, it again? El Buco, El over, Buco. Is it El Buco? El it's Buco. I L B U C. Yeah, it's on Bond Street. Yes, yes. Um... And it's it's kind of expensive, but it's really good. The service is amazing. The food is the food is wonderful. That's the best meal I've had in a while. What'd you get there? Oh God, I can't. Oh, some ridiculously um, well done. Um, it was like a truffle um, r- uh, truffle ravioli. Mm. That was absolutely. It was marvelous because. Have you eaten truffles? You've had those. Yes. What,
0: truffles are like mm-hmm. mushrooms? I, yeah, I try uh, not kind to of know funky. what it is, but yeah. it always sounds like the more expensive thing because they are right. more expensive, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're, They yeah. Can truffle be expensive, fries, but truffle. You can overdo them. right? got yes, so that can. funky thing, and it, like, but this was a, good a, balance. a beautifully balanced meal. Okay, so if we want so many good places to eat, a balanced
0: truffle Il Buco. Yeah, if you okay. can get
1: the special, it's like ridiculously expensive, but it's really, really good. The wine list is amazing. I recommend it. Highly. Okay, highly. we know That's you're
0: a wine guy from your time in Italy. Yes, that's it, um, Andrew. I can't thank you enough, and my honor. I'm gonna follow up with you, and I hope that I can uh, put on tomorrow how your scans were, if you're comfortable with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. I will, e- I will email him. you. You got to give me a bread review. Oh, I'm gonna give you a bread review, and you're gonna give me a cancer reviews. review. <laughs> will, we'll, we'll exchange. We'll exchange reviews. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This is great. Back.
0: Hey guys, so the podcast would usually end here, but I got an email this morning, it's Wednesday, with an update from Andrew, so I wanted to share. Hello once again. Good news. Stable disease, slightly shrunken, cautious optimism. Immunotherapy starts in a couple of weeks. I've been exhaling for the last half hour. Please provide bread feedback and have a fab day. Onward. I had his bread this morning, and it was delicious. So, Andrew, we love you, and we're sending you so much strength.